Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to our show this morning is Everything Cooperative. We're here talking to you this morning about the benefits of co-ops. And National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program just so that people can understand what this cooperative world is all about, this cooperative economics. Now, in the studio with us this morning, we have Mr. Ralph Page. Ralph is one of those people who's been in co-ops, I think, since the turn of the century or something like that. I mean, he's been in a long, long time. And he's here. He was on Thanksgiving Day about two years ago, and he's in the studio with us this morning. He's come up to D.C. to do some work, and that's what we want to talk about, about this co-op. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Vernon. I'm happy to be here again. I certainly uh, enjoyed the last time I was on the program, the call-ins and so forth, and I'm looking forward to uh, being on here. We need more shows like this around the country, or we need to expand this one countrywide. Because the message about cooperatives need to be spread, and people need to, it does so much for the communities and for people that people need to understand more about it and get involved. You know, you're totally right. This is how I've fallen in love with this model. And when I got my MBA, uh, God blessed me to send me to Stanford in California, Palo Alto, this little black boy from Bluefield, West Virginia. This little boy ended up in California, Ralph. But they didn't talk about co-ops out there. They didn't talk about them. They only talked about the capitalistic model. And the main, the main decision point was what's the return on investment? How do you increase the return on investment? And that is, how do you get the most money for those that are investing in the product, in the, into the business? And that's not what the co-op model does. Yeah, and people forget about what, uh, or don't know about what co-ops actually are and how they function, you know, the whole thing, just one of the principles of one person, one vote, meaning that any person that is in a cooperative, they have just as much power as the next person, and their voice is always heard. And that is something that I have always uh, looked at. But more than that, it gives, it gives opportunity to people to create wealth in a real sense where they would not have the opportunity to do that, everyone, and uh, or in a really capitalistic society. We hear so much today about wealth creation and about people get rich, but only a, f uh, a few people are able to get that. But to participate in ownership to participate in the fruits of the labor of activities, what cooperatives offer, you know, whether it's housing, whether it's agriculture, whether it's worker cooperatives, you know, you, in, in fact, even it would even address medical needs and that kind of stuff. 
and we don't hear people talking about it whereas some of the largest housing cooperatives in some of the largest cities in New York, for instance, they have several large housing cooperatives. In fact, I was just up there last week speaking at a meeting at a Magometer House, 1,400 families, and it's just a fabulous community. But the biggest thing of it is, it's affordable. Mm-hmm. The next thing, people own it. The next thing is, uh, it's a community. And it's something like you wouldn't expect in New York City. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to stop you here for a minute because what you've been talking about, it doesn't surprise me that in your normal conversation, you're going to be talking about the principles of cooperatives. And there are seven principles in the modern cooperative, and you've hit on three of them already. Volunteer and open membership is number one, which is what I like because growing up in the 60s, I remember the colored-only water fountains and the colored-only bathrooms. It was not open. It's not always open today, um, as we're beginning to see with some of these shootings and stuff, that there's racism still exists and is very much alive in America. But volunteer and open membership, that's what's in the co-ops. Democratic member control, you mentioned that, that's one member, one vote. It doesn't make any difference how much money you have, how big in the housing co-ops, how big your, your unit is, one member, one vote, and members' economic participation. There's some money that you pay in, and if it's a worker co-op, and the only thing about a worker co-op, or co-op at all, is who owns it and who controls it. Those are the two main variables. So a worker co-op, the employees own it. So in a worker co-op, you may be able to pay your money in through your salary deductions which we've had several people on to talk about that. But if there's money is made, if there's profit or surplus, whatever you call it, you get that too. You get your salary plus, and that's where this wealth creation comes in. And I love it. I love it for African Americans, Native Americans, Latino Americans. And I'm talking about the everyday people, because what you mentioned, and I'm going to say this and I'll let you go ahead and talk, the one percenters, they get 57% of all new income every year. One percenters get 60% of the income. All new. So 40% or 43% of the new income goes to 99% of the people. That's amazing to me. And you hear so much of that nowadays around the campaign. You know, uh, uh, how rich some of the uh, candidates are, some of the hopefuls are, and that I've made billions of dollars. I'm worth $10 billion. Nothing is heard about cooperatives, how it can help the economy. I would like to challenge both sides, both candidates in the presidential election, to look at the cooperative model, promote credit unions rather than the larger banks because members own cooperative, own the credit unions. That's a form of a cooperative where members own and they put money in and loan to their neighbors. Nothing is more pure than that. The housing, to to deal with the housing crisis, food stores in communities where there are no food stores, which most people call food deserts, that people can't get there. What about putting money into that? What about putting money into worker cooperatives? And they don't have a model of one I'm going to talk about. Before you mention that model, I, I want to go back and give people the definition, because you mentioned three co-ops, three different ones, credit unions, housing co-ops, and food co-ops. All three of those can be owned, in most cases, are owned by the people that use the products or services. 
So those people that use the products and services own and control the business, and that's called a consumer co-op. So the main two types of co-ops, the worker co-ops, and we're going to talk about the one that you're going to talk about today, and then there's the consumer co-ops. I had a lady on the program, oh, a month and a half ago or so. There's a consumer health clinic in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So that the patients own the business. That, that's an exciting, because it's totally, this, this organization, this clinic is totally patient-focused. Not doctor-focused, not wealth-focused, not how many pills you take focused, but patient-focused with what's best for the patient. And this is, again, why I like co-ops. Open membership, democratic control. If you put money in, you take money out. And then number four, which we've already, uh, economy and independence. The membership have to control the business, have to make the decision. Yes, sir. Let's talk about this worker cooperative. Well, you know, first of all, let me just say cooperatives, if there's a need, if there is a need, any need, you know, we've talked about health care, housing, credit, I can go on and on, insurance, other stuff. If they're banking, if there is a need, the cooperative model can address that. More than that, it allows for everybody who uses it to own it and be a part of it. Have they say so you talked about earlier? Yes. Have they say so in that. Now, the other thing that I've been in this business all, all my adult life working with cooperatives, and it has been... Uh, a great experience for me but one of the things in the south when back in the 60s when I started out when the poor people black people specifically could not serve could not uh, on boards and uh, could not work could not serve uh, in different places be managers be work on school boards to run for public office they would say you'd have no experience. The co-op, they were able to serve on boards and learn. And later on, they were able to advance to other parts and do this. So it, it offers a form of developing leadership, like no university, no college I've ever seen. Hands-on work that it has done that develop community leadership. And many of those leaders now are doing wonderful things everywhere. From, uh, from the Congress to everywhere else that has moved on to do these things. So I'm quite proud of that. If someone asked me, what is your greatest success? I think I would point to uh, the human uh, side of it, the human capital. We talk so much about money, but the human capital, it developed people, it has developed families, it's developed communities where people live together. It developed a network of individual leaders that went on to develop large credit unions. That is the most important thing that I see. Now, the other thing is caviar. Before you go there, you just talked about the fifth principle of a, a Martin Co-op, and that's education, yes. training, and information. And exactly. 12 of my years, my career, I've taught my, 11 of those in the, in the college setting. And I totally agree with you that the knowledge that I've seen people get when they go to the Federation's annual meeting, which I got to the first time this year, Ralph, or they go to the National Association of Housing Co-ops meetings or 
National yeah. Cooperative Business Association, NCBA, I got it. When they go to these meetings, there's this training. And ICA, it's all of this training that happens. That people And people, they transfer information. You see people in the hallway talking. One president of a co-op talking to another president. What did you do when you had this problem? And sharing the data. And so people grow. I've also had on this program, Ralph, what you were talking about, I had one lady, Ruthie Wilder, up here in Baltimore, who's the president of a housing co-op. She said the things that she learned in running the business of a housing co-op, it applied to her life. Oh, yeah. That she learned how to manage finances. So not only did she, when she learned how to do these finances in the housing co-op, she transferred it over to she could manage her own personal business. I thought she was also saying she learned how to solve problems. And therefore, in her significant other, they didn't have as many problems that they could solve them. She said, no, that wasn't <laughs> one of the lessons, but that's one of the I've learned. we got to take our first break, Ralph. Okay. We'll be right back. we talk more about the co-op principles and more about what's the benefits of co-ops. And Ralph has been in this since the 60s. We'll be right back. Please don't touch the dial. 1450 WOL. You know, information is power. As a matter of fact, what we've learned around with several people come and talk to us about is that information by itself is not where you get the power. The information that the National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring and want you to get from this program is the information about co-ops, why they work, how they work. And we have Mr. Ralph Page in the studio with us this morning who's been in co-ops since the 60s. And I really wish, Ralph, I could have learned about co-ops that long ago and participated in it, but I got it when I started working with uh, housing co-ops. I got introduced to these, these co-ops. But this information only becomes power when you use it. If you get information and you don't use it, if you don't put action to it, then it's not the power. The power comes from using the information. So we're hopeful as we give you information on how you start co-ops or how you can get, in, get involved with co-ops. We've had the green belt food co-op here to get involved with that. We credit union. There's ways of getting into a credit union. It doesn't make it a difference where you work, where you live, but getting into uh, finding a housing co-op or if there's a group of you, three, four, five, ten people that have a community problem and you want to solve that problem, come together, create a business to solve that problem, even if it's job creation. So let's create co-ops. And right now, Mr. Page is going to talk to us about a worker cooperative. You know, I have um, left the Federation as the executive director to make room for younger folks to come on in and, and take the hymns, but I have not. And most people talk about retirement that I don't believe in. I think if you've been given an opportunity to live a long time and have a family and all this stuff and work with great folk, you ought to continue to contribute. So in that moment, I'm working and volunteering with several co-ops. One of them would be the uh, Southern Alternative Cooperative, Agriculture Cooperative located in Leslie, Georgia. And I'll tell you what, Leslie is, is down below down below uh, between America's and Plain Jimmy Carter's 
old stomping ground. Mm -hmm. But it's pecan capital, you know, they, uh, a lot of pecans in that area. And these women grow pecans. They, be, they became together, started this production and, and work a cooperative where they, they buy, shell, crack pecans and sell them. And this is a wonderful product at Christmas time. And it, these women, this is their way of, they're poor African-American women who use this to make an to develop income. And they are actually selling and, and doing direct mail. And these are, this is a wonderful product. And, they, and I would like to ask the audience, uh, people who are listening, if you would be kind enough to support this group by purchasing some pecans. I have a number here uh, that you can call or website here that you can call to order. They're very reasonable price and more, and they're good, the nutrition, but more so you'll be helping somebody. You can give these gifts. I give them for gifts every year, and they're really good. And, of course, I'm trying to learn how to make a pecan pie okay. as well. That number is 229-288-5055. That email is Southern Alternative at Yahoo.com. Yahoo.com. That the writing is small. Mm -hmm. It's small but for if both you of us. Do that, and most or even you can call the radio station here. This program, maybe, Vernon, mm -hmm. if possible, mm -hmm. if you want information, and we can get it to you. I tell you what, I'd rather do. They can do this. They can do this email, or if you want to email me at vo at oaksmanagement.com, I'll get it to them. Vo at oaksmanagement, O-A-K-E-S management, all spelled out one word dot com. Now I got to tell you, if you listen to this, some of this, it's pecan clusters, a rich a rich mixture of caramel, milk chocolate, and pecans, chocolate toffee, white creamery chocolate, sugar and spice, honey crisp. Got all, these pictures are beautiful. So I don't, you know, you might say you're helping them, but you're helping them by helping yourself. You'll get something very, very good and priced out really well. So call them, go email them, and I would imagine the Southern Alternative. Yes. Okay. Can they go on the web and order them? Can I go on yeah, the web? Yeah, you can go on the web. The website is there. Okay, I guess is is it is it southernalternative.com? I don't see it. It's right here at the bottom. Southern Alternative at uh, yahoo.com. Okay, that's the email address. That's the email. Okay. All right. So the email address is southernalternative at yahoo.com to order these pecans. And this is again why I like co-ops is that what you will find. As, as I have found out, when co-ops are formed to solve some community problem, in this community, you have poor African-American farmers and you have women that have come together and take these pecans and shell them and then make chocolates and all these delicious-looking products. So I'm going to order some, and I'm going to order some of them for both Thanksgiving and Christmas gifts. The price is $8.95 uh, for one pound, two pounds, Sixteen ninety-five. Um, so that one pound is either eighteen ninety-five or nine ninety-five, depending on what you buy, and the two pounds are fifteen ninety-five or sixteen ninety-five. 
so you can get something for yourself that's excellent and looks great. I would, because I, I like pecans. They taste them. great, I'll tell you. Uh, I give them out every year. I especially give out the fresh pecans. People, went, people, my my wife and friends, other people like to make pecan pies and roast them and all kinds of wonderful things. But it would really not, and they're nutritious for you. If you, it, it would really help. And I asked each of you to consider really supporting this group by doing this. It would be a wonderful thing. I would like to see them grow and become a real part of this industry. And this is in Alabama? No, it's in Georgia. Georgia. Near Plains, Georgia. Because uh, one time I had the in New Orleans of going out and picking pecans mm-hmm. off the ground, and there is no, I have never eaten fresh pecans before. They were always store-bought. So the fresh pecans is a total different taste. Oh, yes. So you get, and this is what I was going to say about most co-ops, you get a better product, as good as, if not a better product than competition, at a competitive price and sometimes a lower price than competition. Because you have workers in there that own the products. They, they There's no middle people in the distribution, so you have to pay all of that. It'll come directly to you, if you will, from the ground, sh- uh, and then they'll take the uh, shelling off of it and send it up to you. I'll be buying them. Thank you very much for this. Now, I've... <clears throat> When I had uh, somebody else on the program, there is the quilting bee. Yeah. And I've been wanting to get that information because I want to see what they cost. I was thinking about sending out quilts for Christmas gifts. Well, it, it's, that's a wonderful story. I worked many years with the Freedom Quilting Bee. This is in G's Bend, Alabama. This is uh, one, uh, one of the poorest counties and now in the country, really. It was started out by cotton pickers and people who quilted at home for a living, and they had to farm, pick cotton to make a living. And they were really making quilts at this time just to keep warm and that kind of thing. And they were really artists and and didn't know this. So uh, long story short, a guy that that succeeded me as executive director, Charles O. Prejo, Charles helped a lady named Mrs. Witherspoon to, and her husband and the neighbors uh, come together and take this skill and use it as a way to make a living by quilting and selling quilts. Uh, they, they built the building on volunteer labor and built this particular building and designed it and built it and they, uh, with the help of the Federation and a few other organizations, I think the Mennonites and some other people came in, mm-hmm. and and they got there and started making quilts and been making them ever since. Now, they've changed a lot over the years. Uh, people have stolen and infringed upon the patterns that they've had, pattern searches, uh, coat of many colors, searches, a bear paw, Oh, just so many things that they had created and went on on the open market with it. But they're still doing that. I can remember selling uh, quilt churches. I can remember driving this group up to Mason Gimbel's and talking to the people in New York about letting them demonstrate right there in the, uh, right there when they did. I can remember having a place up in New York City 
which was in fact caught in uh, no, upstate New York, called in the Bear Paws, where women opened a shop that only sold those. But it's still going. Okay. Now, if you want to get a hold to them, I don't have that number readily available, but you can talk call the Federation of Southern Cooperatives, Land Assistance Fund, and that number is 404 734 8511. No, that's my cell. 447. We got to take a break and we'll have it when we come back. Thank you so very much, Rob. Okay, thank you. We got to take a break for the news, the weather, and the traffic. And if you do want to call in, you can call in at 1 800 450 7876. If you have a question of Mr. Ralph Page or myself, we'll be right back. 1450 WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oak. You know, the National Cooperative Bank sponsors this program. Their mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis, now get this, special emphasis on certain of communities that are economically challenged. And what we're talking about now are communities in the black belt that we have. And this is what Mr. Ralph Page has been talking about. The Federation of Southern Cooperatives was started out of the Civil Rights Movement, I think, in 1967. And he's been working with it uh, ever since it started. Did you help it to st- get started? Well, I came in. Charles Prejohn's, uh was the leader, and he and A.J. McKnight, uh, started it, and a few other people from SNCC, CORE, uh, SCLC, and I, it's so many people was instrumental. See, what happened was, after the, re- the Voters' Rights Act, after the march uh, from Selma to Montgomery, and we're talking 50 years now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that need to be, rural communities were still poor. Rules South uh, Alabama, Georgia, the Black Belt. Uh, if people did not have opportunity, black people was losing land at two and a half times the rate of their counterparts of white farmers. So it, 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 they needed something at this particular time that would address some of these problems of economic disparity, of poverty in the area. And so people came up with the idea that if we would start these cooperatives that would help save land, that would help create markets, that would help create housing and opportunity. And the, and so was born the Federation of Southern Cooperatives with co-ops in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, uh, just straight across the South. And sure enough, we address not only those particular needs, but we address the needs of, you know, developing leadership, developing, uh, sustaining communities in the area. The Federation has worked with over 100 of the very poorest communities in this whole country, looked at as third world, and they're still very poor because the tax base is so low that and it, it had suffered long-term uh, segregation and other things, and it takes a long time to get over those kinds of things. So the Federation 
you know, went right into the lounge mouth, uh, really organizing and developing these things. And at many times we were looked upon, uh, we weren't looked upon very well. We were thought of as being socialists, communists, because we were doing that. And there are a lot of things happen as we try to do this with uh, the market produce. A lot of our pro produce and the co-ops were sabotage. You know, they couldn't get to the market. A lot of resources that we should have had was made available to other for other for other groups. White people. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, uh, was mm -hmm. not made available to us. That was discrimination at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. There were law. If you name it. It happened, but the biggest thing in the transition, they could not stop what we what we started out, and we continue to do that. And if you look at it today, we are not able to get some of these resources. It's been a struggle. Not everything we need and want, but we it's an organization with its strongest point is its commitment to its membership its commitment to its mission to do economic development and to, uh, uh, work with farmers and rural communities and develop houses and poor communities. And that's what we don't have. Even today, they're pushing away from it and want to want everybody to be a billionaire. You know, everybody can't be a billionaire. Everybody can't be a Carson or Trump or, or Clinton or, you know, any of those folks. Uh, you know, there has to be a mechanism that would help people can to live, help people to address those human needs, such as food, housing, credit, those kinds of things that cooperatives can do for the masses. And I like to see that again. I think I said it earlier today. Those things address cooperatives sometime. And most of you are member of cooperatives, I'm sure, if you're a member of a rural electric. If you are a member of an uh, insurance company, a mutual insurance company, if you are a member of like, a like nationwide, union, yeah, nationwide, like nationwide insurance okay. company, you are a member of one. And you need to take advantage of those opportunities. You need to run for the boards. You need to uh, be an active member. And, and you'd be amazing what it would do, what it was, uh, how much it would save you and how well we go. I think we're just scratching the surface of what it can do. Uh, Mr. Page, what, what you're saying to me is what I've learned is that if you look at slavery, you, you look at Jim Crow, you look at racism, it's basically economic-based. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get free labor, which through slavery is basically free, and through Jim Crow, keep us down so they can get us to work for little or nothing. And most of it is economic based. So here you come along with this other model that's called a cooperative model, and you say, folks, let's gather together, let's go, because they're not going to give us 40 acres and a mule. I never believe that. Yeah. Never, never believe that anybody's going to give us anything. And so some of the values of co-ops is uh, self-help, self-responsibility, democracy, equality, equity, and solidarity. And, you know, as the founder said, and they believe that ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. I mean, that's what we do in the African-American community. We care for each other. And, and growing up in Bluefield, growing up in these southern places, we would just become family and we would help one another 
takes a village to raise a child. Yep. It takes the village to help each other grow up. And this is what happens in a co-op. Create this community. So I totally agree with you. Commitment, membership, creating not only financial wealth, but more than that is the social wealth of this community where we know how to and learn how to work with the police, know how and to work with the Board of Education. We learn how to work with vendors and with different markets that we couldn't go before. And in doing all of this learning, we believe better in ourselves. We get self-worth and we get respect in our own families and respect in our community. It's a win, 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 win. So I like what you're doing and I praise you for doing it for all of these years, sir. Um, well, it kind of get in your blood and you, you don't know. I don't want to know anything else but doing this. And this is why I'm volunteering with Southern Alternative, with West Georgia, with several other cooperatives to work with them. I'm taking a group of young members at West Georgia and and mentoring them and uh, sustainable agriculture and growing for a market a cooperative together. And that whole principle they're going with is several farm, smaller farmers there. And the farmers, uh, you know, their daddy is, oh my goodness, uh, they, they hand the land down to them. And uh, they, you know, they grow and pool their resources and sell it, uh, sell it to uh, the open market. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever the market is about, they get it, they share it. And it, it, those are the kinds of things that I, you know, continue to do with that. You know, I uh, just turned 6-8, uh, October the 7th, and I don't know what retirement looks like either. I don't know what it tastes like, look like, smell like. I just don't have a sense of that. I think even biblically speaking, they don't talk about retirement. They talk about maybe changing your focus in, in the Bible. It's not sort of like I'm going to go sit down and, and I don't know, figure out why I exist. But I'm, I've figured out that God has given you and I a lot of different experiences, a lot of different knowledge. And then how do we get other people to get that knowledge and that wisdom uh, <laughs> that you obviously have? Well, you know, I've never looked at retirement. So people told me, we want to honor you for retiring. But the biggest thing is, I, the honoring, I don't get either. Why would you honor me, I can talk about myself, for something that you're supposed to have done with your life? You're supposed to give them back. You're supposed to help other people. You're supposed to create things that would help your community. And that's, you know, sometimes I don't, I missed a couple things, ceremonies, because I don't feel like I needed to be honored for something that's natural, something that God would have you to do, and that kind of thing. So I'm not looking at it as, uh, looking at it as retirement. Other people say, why don't you, you're retired, why don't you, what are you going to do, sit on the front porch and mm, kind of no. what are you going to do? No. So I'm, I'm busy, <laughs> I'm busier now than I've been forever, and I'm, and I'm proud of it. And the other thing can is... I, can I think to what you just said? And I heard a preacher, I used to, when I gave money, I didn't want anybody to know because I found that people would, if they knew you gave some money to something, they'd always want to put something negative to it. You did this because. You did this because you're looking for something back. And this preacher, about six months ago, I was preaching a sermon. He said, 
you've got to tell people when you give money. Why? He said, because it gives you a chance to honor God. So I would suggest to you, if they want to honor you for all of the great work that you've done, go in there humbly and accept it. But that gives you a chance to honor God because God has directed you. He directed me over to Palo Alto to Stanford. He said, why would you want me to get all of his knowledge? Honor him, help other people, the stuff that you've already done all of your life, and you continue to do it. When I went to the Federation, I met a, a woman by the name of Irma Wilburn. She and ten other, nine other women are forming a bakery co-op, a worker co-op. So I'm supporting them from a standpoint of giving them technical knowledge about how to run a business, and they're getting help from the Federation and others about the, the, the uh, how to get the information about running the worker co-op. But my, my help is just how do you put together this business plan? You, you so know, they, they need to go back and look at it. And you're bringing back all the days to me. Acadian, Acadian Delight. This was done in the beginning of the Federation. This was a fruitcake that was made in Louisiana using nuts on all the fruits and mm -hmm. other things. And they actually had a bakery. I used to pedal uh, can sell them everywhere uh, for them. And it's a wonderful fruitcake in a small can. And it can be born again. The expertise is still there for these women if they want to look at it. It is so much. And that what happened to it when the economy went bad, uh, not this past time, time before then, they were caught up in that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the they borrowed power to stay in the compete with the big red companies. Yep. But it can happen. Uh, it did happen. A kitty in the light. I can almost taste those face now. <laughs> I would like to. I can like do, do the pecan. It is so many things. And I remember even so doing that after Katrina. We were in Katrina. We were one of the cooperatives that went in to help the people after Katrina. And we started all markets and so forth after that. And many people like the co-op bank. We got to take our break here. I'm sorry. <laughs> because I can, I'm tasting this fruitcake and I'm seeing these pecans. So I want to be a part of it. And what I told Irma was she can pay me with zucchini bread. <laughs> or some of the other things that they do. We were, we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back, everybody. If you have a question or comment, call it 1-800-450-7876. 14-W-O-L. Welcome back, Vernon Oaks, talking to you about everything cooperative this morning. NCB's customers, you know, we've talked about worker co-ops and consumer co-ops, their customers are just cooperatives, such as grocery wholesalers, which is a consumer co-op, purchasing co-ops or housing co-ops. Other customers are sharing the spirit of cooperation driven by democratic organizing principles, which by their very nature are member-run and member-owned. You know, others may be community health centers or charter schools driven entirely by community needs. So having common is this social personal or business need, there's a need, create a co-op, you create a co-op to solve this this particular need, and 
one one gentleman said that if there's not a if there's not a community need, there's no need for a co-op. James, welcome this morning. What's your question or comment? Well, my question is, uh, first of all, my question is, um, well, like I said, I've been writing down stuff, but my question is, you know, I know this, and this is a great idea for someone like I mean, you know, this is great for someone like me. Fantastic. Good opportunity. I just wanted to see if I could retrieve some information, you know, about someone that's really, I mean, I'm in, you know, I'm in the need to get, to be informed about this, you know, cooperative uh, business thing. Uh-huh. I understand is they have the housing co-op worker co-op, co-op consumer food help, you know, it's probably a uh-huh. list. And, um, so what's your question? question is, how can I retrieve information about the co- co-ops and how does it work and how, how does one begin, you know, to, uh, you know, get in, into this uh, type of business? Well, there's a, there's a lot of information out. There's a U.S. worker, U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops. If you Google them, you can go to their web page. They have um, a lot of information about how you start a worker cooperative. Okay. There's a U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives. Okay, and then there is uh, NCBA, National Cooperative Business Association. Their webpage is ncba.coop. Ncba.coop. Coop. And they'll have information. Okay. And then there's the Cooperative Development Foundation, cdf.coop. Cdf. Dot co-op, co-op, and have grants and fundings to help you to get started, and they can also sh- show you where you can get technical assistance. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are you located? Well, uh, right now, um, uh, Hyattsville. Okay, you're in Maryland. Okay, because the Federation is mainly they work for the southern states, so Federation.coop would not necessarily help you, although Maryland used to be considered south. Okay. Uh, when Frederick Douglass went to England in nineteen in the 1840s, uh, as a, his slave owner was right there in Maryland. Okay. He went to England as a slave. He got help from cooperators over there, oh. and which helped him to buy his freedom. He came back as a freedman. So Maryland used to be a southern state. What's but your particular interest uh, that you might be interested in? What type of cooperative? Well, that, you know what I was thinking? Um, food co-op. That's what I was thinking more of. Okay. And invest in that and, um, and, and the housing. Those two would be at the top of the list. Well, those... Uh, food and housing. The information that Ms. Oates gave you would be places you can go. But I'm open for a conversation at any time. So if okay. you get the information, then if you get my number, you can With call. Sir? And we can talk about it. Can you give him your number again? Uh, my number is 706 663 Yeah. 706-663-0030. 706 663 Who am I speaking with, sir? Ralph Page. Okay. Just ask for me, and I'm not there. I'll call you back. But if you want to have a conversation, you get tied up on some of the information, just give me a call. Mr. Page, I really appreciate your time and cooperation. And, and as well, the gentleman uh, that was speaking to me before, I want to thank him as well. Uh, 
My name is Vernon Oaks, and I'm hosting this show every Thursday. Just come on and get more information. There is um, the National Corporate Bank gave some money, and Ralph, you may know this. They gave some money to one of the food cooperative associations to help start food co-ops. Yeah. Do you it, know which one group? I'm not is? sure uh, which which one. It may be uh, the one out of Arkansas. I'm not sure which one, but certainly there are a lot of interests in food cooperatives, food deserts, and that kind of thing. So the time is the time is good mm-hmm. if you're interested, and if you got a within a community and a group of people, it'll be good to sit around and talk about what if, what if or what's possible if you would come together, you know, what's possible, or to dream about it and say, hey, we could start with something as small as a vegetable market here, yeah. uh, where we get farmers to come in and sell vegetables in, in season and call ourselves, even unincorporated, the community market. Your next step would be to find some place to house it, a roof over it. The next step to get some is a lawyer that I'm sure I won't call his name now that you could probably volunteer to help you to incorporate. Then there's a training you can get from from several sources to help you do it. So that's a step. I would not give up an idea. If you can do some basic, just starting with a food corner, a corner vegetable market, you know, and just start from there. That's healthy food. Get yeah. farmers to bring it in. That's healthy food. Yeah, you know, and just get it started. That's yeah. what it's going to take. Right. If, then again, the old saying, no pain, no gain. It'll be a little pain, but if you get it started, you start the, the market, getting people interested, they're coming. Then you got something to have the greater conversation about. What right. about if we had a market in this community? It would, and then what about it would provide jobs? Where can we get the money at? Then as a co-op bank or other sources. How do we do this thing? I mean, those are the kinds of things that I offer. You know, huh? I, I like communities to rethink the possible especially if it's of an African-American community or a poor community, Hispanic, Native American. It doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what's not possible, but we rethink what's possible mm-hmm. if we got together and worked. Then we get to be believers. Then we get to be dreamers. Then we deliver something of value to ourselves. We don't have to worry about nobody else. And that thing of value is what you own, which is a cooperative or a credit union, whatever it may be. That's what you have to do. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to send you one more piece. I uh, Googled it. Grocer, G-R-O-C-E-R dot co-op. G-O-R-G-R-O-C-E-R. Yeah, dot co-op. And they have in there how you start a food co-op. They have a manual. So there's a lot, a lot of information. I'm glad you called. We only have about six more minutes, so we're going to close up. Thank you so much for calling, sir. And uh, we'll help you however we can start this food co-op. Ralph, thank you so much for for helping him out there with that information. It was right on. If anybody else wants to start a co-op, a housing co-op, or worker cooperative, there's a lot of resources out there. You know, they're they're underused resources as well. And a resource is just as good as 
the user make it be. I've had people come to me, ask me what is a co-op, and they go on. I never hear from them again. I have people come to me and say, what is a co-op? The next question, can I get started? The next question, we we go ahead and start this conversation about the degree of interest in it, then about what it would do. It's sort of a litman test, if you will, to see if they're ready, or they'll be testing me to see if we can really deliver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to, you know, just go further because, you know, sometimes you'll call a resource and they say, yeah, we do technical assistance, we provide training for cooperatives, and you say, oh, well, thank you, bye. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have to, as a community now, folk have to dig into it and see, you know, just see what's under the surface because a lot of resources there, and I've found out, and I use resources, they're only as good as you know the user if you need help, I can help you but you got to be willing to do the work yeah. now do you like what you've done in your life and what you're doing now i would not trade it i was telling somebody yesterday i had over the years opportunities and opportunities to do a lot of things to get more paying jobs but an opportunity to serve an opportunity to be back there is nothing I would change for it. And what I'm in right now, uh, I stay away from this retirement word, <laughs> but to keep involved, you know, not only that, it, it does the hard good, and of course, working for people, volunteering, doing that kind of thing. And I do a lot of consulting, uh, speak to different groups about cooperatives, and I'm very open for that. I love what I'm doing, and of course, I love this show here. I can go all day long. I know time is up. Mr. Page, I'm so glad you came in this morning. It's always a pleasure. And you can reach Mr. Page at 404. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Seven three four eight five one one. Seven three four eight five one one. Is that, that correct? Yeah, that one's always with me. Okay. So call them when you need any and this is Vernon Oaks Cooperative. We'll see you next Thursday. This has been Cooperative Month, October, and this is our second year we've been on. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you so much. 1450 W O L